want us to read. Um, I just want to say to my brother there, Sajad, I'll try and make it as slow as possible for, for you to understand. Welcome here. Um, he is from Iran. It's beautiful to have you here. It's cool to have you here, man. Good to see you. Um, the second family that we've actually met from Iran, what was, what's her name back? Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, beautiful. So, so, so welcome. Good to see you here. Let's just pray before we start this morning. Okay, am I out of the way now? Oh, so I need to be on here. Is that it? Okay, I'll stay here. The moms cannot see me. Let's just pray. Father, let your word change us this morning as we finish off the small group share series. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, Malcolm, welcome to you as well. And Sajat, we, we had a small group share series about evangelism. So this is the last part in it, and we're just wanting to end it off this morning. And I want to be practical. I've entitled my... Um, talk this morning is be going back to the basics of preaching the gospel and making disciples. Back to the basics of sharing the gospel and making disciples. Now, there's two things that I need to be very cautious of this morning. Because of the time limit that I do have, I don't want to reduce the gospel and disciple making to a few things. I don't want to be reductionistic in my approach. That's not what I want to do. Secondly, I should be aware of not going off on tangents. Otherwise, time is going to to get to us. You know, I really want to stick to the basics. So, what I'm going to share this morning is not a how to do evangelism. It's just the basics of what I see in Scripture. Not something that I've heard or seen, just the basics that I've seen in Scripture. I think the second thing that I want to say with that is, everything that I've done thus far in these videos, I felt God was challenging us about us. How can we share the gospel and make disciples better? You, a church has an evangelism strategy. Then a small group must have an evangelism strategy. But then as individuals, we must also have an evangelism strategy. Why? Because if we don't have one, it will never happen. Going to the gym never happens by thinking about it. You need to have a clear plan on when you're going to go and how it's going to look like. Then it happens. And if it's not written out and brought before God and say, God, this is what I want to do, it usually never happens. It stays a thought or a dream. So I want to be really practical. And um, the first thing that I want to say, if we want to share the gospel and we want to make disciples, we've got to know what the seeker needs to know. The person sitting in front of me, I must know what he needs to hear to be changed. Does that make sense? Otherwise, we're going to fall in the category where Jesus said, the blind cannot lead the blind. You know, the blind is at this stage leading the blind. and We cannot go that route. So, bear with me. So, the first thing, first things first. What do you need, what do I need to share the gospel? Two things. It's the basic minimum. You need the word of God and you need the spirit of God. 
That's the basics. For that, you can quickly just go to Ezekiel chapter 37. I won't read everything, but I'll just need to show you something there quickly. And let me just give you an explanation of what's happening. Ezekiel is in the spirit now, whether this is a revel, uh, a, a open vision or if he's, if he's asleep, if he's awake, we don't know. All that we know is God takes him into the spiritual realm and then <laughs> God's hands upon him, Elizabeth, and then God says, look, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. And then God takes him to this valley that is full of dry bones, very dry bones. They're all dead. Scripture is very explicit. Scripture says God makes him walk there up and down. If you read it, I'm going to read from the NIV version. Um, so he goes there, he walks with God, and then God asks him something Son of man, can these dry bones live? Now I tell you, yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I mean, he's the God's hands upon him, but at the same time, he's in a he's in a very I mean a valley full of dry bones, a valley full of dry bones. Can you imagine what the prophet had to go through to see that while he was in the spirit? And he's very wise. He says, "Only you know God. Only you know if these bones can live." And then God gives him instruction. God says, "Okay, what I want you to do, I want you to prophesy to the bones. Say to the bones, hear the word of the Lord." What he does, he says, "Hear the word of the Lord." And as he prophesies, something astounding happens. He hears a rattling of bones. Now you must imagine this. You're in the spirit. It is as real as it can be. Imagine a valley full of dead bones, Ruth. It starts rattling and you see as you speak it comes to life. So he says, hear the word of the Lord and then it rattles and it comes together. And then I imagine all these skeletons gets up as it is explained. And then flesh comes. And then God says, now speak to the breath. And then the Spirit says to him, when you speak to the breath, say to the breath, breath, go into these bones. And then this army comes alive. And he's left in awe and God says, this is Israel. And the one thing that I want you to take with us this morning, all of us, anything that's dead, If you've got the word of God and you've got the spirit of God with you, you can speak it to life. Anything that's dead in your life. You need the word of God and you need the spirit of God. Sorry, Ezekiel. Did I say Isaiah? No, I didn't. Ezekiel. I said Ezekiel. It came to life. So, if there's anything that you want to bring to life, you've got to spend time with the scriptures and you've got to spend time with God so that life can be brought back to the way the scriptures is interpreted through us and in us. And to the outside. There's two more places that we could go. We don't have time. But you can listen to Paul when Paul speaks about the spirit. And you can listen to Peter when Peter speaks about the spirit. But we're not going to go there this morning. So, 
The first thing is, we need the Spirit and the Word. Now, before we're going to get practical, what then, if we have the Spirit of God and we have the Word of God, what do we need to know to share the Gospel and to make disciples? I'm going to give you three C's. You need clarity. You need commitment. And you need continuance. Let's start with the clarity. Why clarity? Again, this is a quick Bible study. You and I, we need gospel clarity. Why do we need gospel clarity? It's very simple. We need to know what do we need to say to people if they need to be saved. I mean, that's fair, isn't it? Does everybody agree with me? We can't preach a gospel that we don't know. So we've got to know that. Now, interesting story. John chapter 3, verse 7 to 15. Let me just give you a lowdown again of this. There's a guy called Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. Now, just hear me out. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. This guy is seriously intelligent. Remember, he had to be able to recite the whole of the Old Testament by heart. I just want to show, show you how scary intelligent this guy is. Then he had to memorize more than 500 laws. He had to know them by heart. He's a respected man within the community. And he's able to judge the people of Israel. In the court of law, outside the court of law, and with the scriptures. Can you understand now why they headhunted Paul? When Paul got saved, Paul was the same, a Pharisee. That's why they headhunted Paul. That's why Paul had to die. Because, because he got saved and he just had an understanding of the scriptures and they were scared. But anyway, so Nicodemus, the scriptures, has come to Jesus by night. He comes to Jesus by night. By night, I really don't believe he came to Jesus by night because of... He was shy or, or scared. I think it's a theme in John. Light, day, night, darkness. There's a lot of that in, in the Gospel of John. So what John's saying is, his motives is dark. <laughs> but he's walking towards the light. Who's Jesus. So now Jesus drops something in his spirit. Jesus says to him, look here. Wait, wait, let me backtrack. So he comes, he says, teacher, we know. We know, you can read it, it's a teacher, we know that you are, you must come from God because the miracles that you do, it's a cut above what we see. You're the man. Then Jesus just dropped this bombs on, bomb on him. Now, I could never figure it out, Nigel, really, I couldn't. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, look here, you're the man. We can see, who's we? So he's coming with a we. You know how people talk about we, we never know who we is. You know, but he's also we. We see that you're the man. You do these miracles. Then Jesus dropped this bomb. You must be born again. <laughs> How do you go from Jesus, you the man, to Jesus telling me you must be born again? I'll tell you why now. Let's read verse 7 to 15. I'm reading from the NIV. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. Then Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes. Again, Jesus is very cryptic. So now I can imagine Nicodemus is sitting there. 
I must be born again. And then Jesus says, the wind blows. Then Jesus says, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it will be with everyone born of the Spirit, Jesus says again. Now Nicodemus says, how can this be, Jesus? Now what's Jesus' response? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of one. So now Jesus is a bit sarcastic. You pulled a wee on me and Jesus says, we speak of what we know. I think Jesus is just giving him some of his own medicine back here. You know. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. A lot of we's. Jesus is very deliberate. So you want to come with your we's? I'll give you we, we, you know. We, 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 you know. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No. One has ever gone into heaven except the one Who came from him, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. So the first thing Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you do want to understand me, you must be born again. So when we want to help people, we're going to get practical about this, help people, we must be able to explain to them that they must be born again. Why does Jesus say to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes? What Jesus was saying to Nicodemus is, you can look if the wind blows if we look at those trees how do we know the wind is blowing it's moving so what jesus is saying to him you can see the effects of the wind but you don't know where it's coming from what jesus is saying when somebody's born again you will see the effect of the holy spirit upon him but you don't know where it comes from That's what Jesus is saying to him. But he still says, I I can't get it. And then Jesus is, I think Jesus is deliberate here. (laughs) Jesus says, you don't get this? You missed the intelligence? Central intelligence? You don't get it? Why? Because you must be born again. And what Jesus is saying to him, the only one that can help you with this is God. You can only be born again, again by the Spirit. You're with me. You need gospel clarity. You need clarity on that. The second thing that you need clarity on is you need... So so the first thing, sorry, if we can just go to the next slide, please. Just let me see, um, 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 Ian. Yep. Now the, the one before this. So the one with Nicodemus is you've... You've got to explain to people why we are dead and you've got to explain to them why we are alive. Now, then you've got to have clarity about God's wrath and God's love. Um, It's one of the challenging things. Do you know what's the most difficult thing to communicate to myself and to other people around me? It's not baptism or Holy Spirit baptism. That's not difficult. Not even the Trinity. Although some of those concepts are really difficult to explain. You know what sin? It's one of the most difficult things to explain to people what sin is. 
for two reasons. One is people don't ever reference it. Secondly, if you are Christians, you can't talk to them about this sin. <laughs> they just don't like it. So, when we talk about salvation, now I've heard this preach, and I, and I can understand people's intention, but it's half a truth. People does not get saved because of Jesus' love. I'm going to say it again. People don't get saved because of Jesus' love. When you save somebody, you save them from something. Isn't it so? So what do we need saving from? We need saving from the wrath of God. So you've got to understand what people need saving from before you can talk about why God saved them. God saved them because he loved them, but they've got to understand what God saved them from. So when you read Romans chapter 1 to Romans chapter 3, you can do it on your own. Paul goes to great lengths to explain sin and the world and where it's heading. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. You actually get depressed when you read Romans chapter 1 about the wrath of God. The man, they know God, but they didn't believe God. They saw him. They were given over to these cravings. Paul just explains sin upon sin upon sin. And then Paul says, there's no one good. No one is born good. And I mean, you're reading it, you're thinking, can this get anybody? And then only after that, Paul starts explaining so you, you've got to have clarity about God's wrath, but also God's love. And then clarity about God's judgment and hope. You've got to have clarity about that. Now for that, I've given Revelation chapter 12, 11 to 15 and 21, 1 to 4. Why? Because there's hope. You've got to tell people about hope. And Judgment is imminent. The story doesn't end well for some. Now once we have clarity around that and we can articulate it in a certain way, we are well on our way to help us understand it and to help other people to understand it. Are you with me this morning? We're going to get practical now. Secondly, we need commitment. We need gospel commitment. For me, this is about counting the cost. Luke chapter 9, 23. I'll read it quickly to 27. Then Jesus said to them, All whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. So, number one, I have clarity about the gospel. I have clarity on how I can articulate the gospel. It's not going to be the same for everybody. It's not going to be the same in every situation. But we need clarity on that. Secondly, we need to talk, once we have explained the gospel with clarity, we must be able to explain people to people about commitment. I mean, it's clear. Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's why I believe some salvations are so cheap. Because it's communicated cheap. Scripture doesn't communicate salvation cheap. I mean, you've got to count the cost. And 
if you read Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 35, Jesus goes further. He says, if, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or his mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, again, how do you explain that to people? The issue is not that Jesus is saying, hate your family. The issue is what Jesus is talking about. If you want to follow me, it's a priority. Whatever my commitments from your side towards me, it's a priority issue that we need to talk about here. You know, Nige just explained it very beautiful this morning in the offering. It's a priority issue. Hercules explained it in a different way this morning. He took it from the angle, it's a worship issue. Who gets worship first? So, we've... We've got the clarity of the gospel. We can talk to people about commitment. Not not commitment to church. Not commitment to a person. A commitment to Christ. You with me? The basics. Then we come to a place of gospel continuance. That's it. Matthew chapter 24 verse 12 to 14. Can I read this with you? Just listen to this. Listen, listen. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most people will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And what? And then the end will come. We then have to talk to people about continuing to preserve in our task, in our calling that God has given us. There's so many scriptures that I can give you. But we've got to remain faithful and then we've got to talk to people. So, first things first. What do we need? We need the word of God and the spirit of God. To preach the gospel and to make disciples. If we've got that, what must we talk to them about? So, I just don't want you to think that this, these are the only things. I'm trying to make it as condensed as possible in, the, in this short period of time that I do have. You've got to be clear. You've got to communicate the gospel clearly. We've got to talk about commitments regularly. It's like any good old marriage. Why did we commit to one another, my love? It's regularly. And then continue, continuance. So now, let's get practical. Alright. Practical ways to cultivate and develop your evangelism ability. Um... One of the five Jesus gifts is the gift of the evangelist. I'm not talking about that now. That's why I really believe evangelism is not a gift. You've got the gift of the evangelist. Evangelism is an ability that you can cultivate. You with me? Are you with me, what I'm saying? So you've got people that are really good at it. 
But that does not mean when you are not great at it, that you can't become good at it. <laughs> you with me? There's some skills that we can help with one another. I also want to say this, please, 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 please. Just because, look, okay, Let, let's be very practical here. I'm going to say something now, and please don't feel offended. But me personally, I find it very easy to hang out with, with unbelievers. It's not difficult for me. I, I don't know why God made me like that. It's, it's not that I'm doing what they're doing. I can just be with them. It just comes very easy to me. I must be careful to think that everybody is like that. That would be wrong of me. I find it easy, um, Rachel, to chat to unbelievers. I just find it, it just comes naturally easy to me. But again, I mustn't think, and I am not expecting you this morning to do that. You with me? But I've learned to grow at what I'm good at. And that's what I want to help you with this morning. When you've got the word and the spirit, when you can communicate with clarity, which all of us can, which when we can talk to people about commitment, and when we can talk to people about continuous, you, you with me, Ian, you, you with me, Malcolm, you, you with me, where, where are we heading here? So now we've got to come to the practical part of how do we, communi- how do we communicate this gospel now, practically? You with me? So, I'm going to read 1 Peter, a part of it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 and 22. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you of the hope in you. All of us must be ready to give an answer because of the hope inside of us. I'm reading from the NIV. But do this with, and this is beautiful what Peter says, do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed when they slander you. Let's go to Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 to 6. Let's just quickly go to Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 to 6. And then we're going to get really practical. Let's go. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, there Paul says, clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act to outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. All of us have opportunities, eh? So Paul says you must make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. So now that we know we need the word of God and the spirit of God, now that we know we need to communicate the gospel with clarity, now that we know we need to talk to people about their commitments to Christ, now that we know we need to talk to people, they need to persevere, they need to go in continuance, now we can have the conversation. So, okay, Carlos, how do I answer everyone? Well, the first answer to the question is you need to know yourself. You're not Carlos, you're not Hercules, you're not David, you're not Ian. God has made you uniquely beautiful in the way that you can communicate the gospel. So Jesus says, look here, there's going to be a time when the harvesters will overtake the, sorry, the reapers will overtake the harvesters. Some of us are harvesters, some of us are reapers. Have you made peace with that? Some will reap, some will harvest, some will harvest in a way that they reap. You with me? So I'm talking about a specific skill set here that God has gifted you with and the opportunities. There's opportunities that God has given each and every one of you to help you to grow in communicating the gospel. Everyone's got that opportunity. So what do I need to do first? Number one, live the gospel and listen to people. Now we're going to get practical. You live the gospel and you listen to people. We've got to learn to listen to people. Why? Because if we listen in the right way, we know what to ask them. Now, I don't have a list of questions for you today. <laughs> but it's something you've got to trust God for, for the God question. I, I don't know what to call it. The best way I can describe it, it's a God question that just hits you right here at your core convictions. And please, it's not a mean question. We shouldn't be mean people. Okay, we, we don't want to be mean. Paul was clear there with gentleness. You know, you can be firm but gentle. Okay. It's dichotomy in scripture. You can die, but you can be alive. You can die well. <laughs> scripture teaches us how to die well. It's a dichotomy that is part of Christianity that we must get used to. We can suffer well. You know, scripture says these things and everything. God, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. Run this run. How do you run with patience, you know? <laughs> You know, it's again, Hebrews 12, run with patience. Ah, God. It's one of those things. So, practical tip. If, if you want to snuck in the gospel with someone as you talk with them, they'll smell, they'll smell it a mile off. They'll see that you're not genuine. They'll smell us. So you've got to spend time with God so that he can cultivate this thing of you in you called sincerity that comes with the Holy Spirit. It's a genuineness that's there and you ask questions while you listen to people. Um, in South Africa, we had, had in Worcester where we pastored this church, we had this time where we, 
would go with first years. Families would take in first years from the university. And then on one specific day, the whole church, each one would take somebody with them to the beach. So we take them to the beach on the Saturday. And then they must spend the day with you and the evening they must have supper and dinner with you at your home. And then you go drop them back at the university. But then the next morning your family must pick them up and take them to church. So it's something we prayed, in, prayed into, we planned it. So that morning me, Almy, Carl and Eva, we were waiting for our guy. So our guy's name is Charles. So we have this list to and only the guy organizing it knows who the guy is. And I deliberately told the guy organizing it, you don't tell us who we get. We must just be prayed up and as a family. So we're waiting for Charles. Richard Charles. Very English. Huh? Richard and Charles. Hey, Charles Richard. We're waiting for him. So Charles comes on there. His wrist is bleeding. They just robbed him. Stole his wallet and his watch and they stabbed him in the wrist. So I'm like, Charles, are you, uh, do you want to go through? No, no, I want to go to the beach. I'm okay. So Charles sat next to me. Now we're driving. First question, Hercules. Just listen to this question Charles drops as we're driving to, to Somerset Beach. So why does pastor steal so many money, so much money in Afrikaans now? I said, Charles, it's wrong. They're not supposed to steal money. That's all that I can say, and God will deal with them. Do you steal money? (laughs) I said, Charles, the only way that you can find that out is if you spend enough time with me and my wife and our kids, and you'll have to see. The man's got sincere questions. I need to listen. We go. And then later on, Charles drops. So why do you do this? Why do you take us to the beach? So, well, Charles, we, we really believe God gave us a heart for people. And we really want to demonstrate it in the simplest ways that we can. And for that matter, I hope we come over sincere. Do we come over sincere? Charles's response, we'll see. <laughs> Charles's response is, we'll see. We'll see. So we spend the day at the beach. We come back. It's dinner time at our home. Now Charles goes into extramarital relationships. And you know where this is heading. He's heading toward the church. What's the church doing about it? I said, Charles, well, we, we do the best that we can. We try, you know. Um, Sunday, I pick Charles up. Charles gets saved. I mean, saved and spiritful the Sunday. Um, I still don't know how, but then again, the wind blows where it wishes. <laughs> the wind blows where it wishes. Charles gets saved. All to call. Charles is poor. He comes from a family background where his brother is addicted to drugs. He doesn't have money. His mother's an alcoholic. And he wants to go study as a teacher at the college in Wellington. So what do we in Elmery do? Say, Charles, well, we're going to write you in. We also don't have money. 
But if that is what you feel God saying, we're going to drive through, we're going to get a form, we're going to fill in your name. And I still remember now we signed for him. So if he can't pay back the debt, we are in trouble. Me and my wife, we said, no, we're going to assist and proxy for you. Charles is fourth year today. Teaching. I must be very careful not to tell the story to draw the attention away from Christ. I must be very careful to not do that. But you know, sometimes you can't explain everything and you can't listen in a way and answer people in the way that you must answer them. You've just got to live the gospel. You've got to tell people, well, Charles, and you've got to watch us. Stay close to us and just watch us. And people, especially in the culture, there's loads of people that needs to be around you more and more because they've got to watch you. There's a book C.S. Lewis wrote just on the side, Studies in Words. It's not a Christian book. It's a book about the English language. Very good book. There's one chapter at the fringe of language. I would really like to read this to you. Sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. But I must. I am compelled. At the fringe of language. If I had my way, everybody that, that wants to do a, a preaching cause or must read this chapter. Look what he says. Language exists to communicate whatever it can communicate. Some things it communicates so badly that we never attempt to communicate them by words if any other medium is available. Those who think they are testing a boy's elementary command of English by asking him to describe in words how one ties one's tie or what a pair of scissors is like, they are far astray. I mean, I've tried now to explain to somebody which is my daughter, through words, I deliberately tested what he was saying, how to tie a tie. It's very difficult, Malcolm. You can't do it over the phone. It's, it's just too difficult. You can't do it by saying, do this. No, no, no. Certain things you have to demonstrate. And I can tell you, one of the ways that we're going to get people saved here in hordes, it's by demonstrating things to them. They just got to come along us. We got to live the gospel and they got to learn from us. Before we explain anything of everything to them, this has got to be next to us. Are, are you with me? And some of you sitting here are very good at that. You're very good at people just hanging around you because you're hospitable. And I'm encouraging you now. You know how to invite people. You know how to make them feel welcome. So let them spend time with you. In an environment that's safe, but it is not new to them. Look, this is not new to a lot of people what we're doing here this morning. This is very foreign. And it's becoming more foreign as time goes on. Are you with me? Secondly, 
Love the gospel, listen to the gospel. Ask questions and answer with wisdom. Do you know what? I like what Proverbs says. Proverbs says sometimes when you keep your mouth shut, you look very wise. Sometimes it's just good to say, mm, mm, <laughs> And then people will think, this man knows what he's saying. But you're saying nothing. You just look wise. We don't have to answer everything. Secondly, we are allowed to say, I don't know. We are allowed to say, I don't know how to explain this to you. It's like Hercules said earlier, I can't deny the fact that Christ touched me. But that's why the people are looking for the hope inside of us. There's a hope inside of us. So that people can see. One of my moments when I got saved and in church and, and I was really irritated at Christians hugging me. So Almer was then saved about six, six months before me. I was so irritated, Malcolm, and I said to my wife at home, I was just, why do all these Christians want to hug me? You know, and, 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 and Almer just said, don't hug them. It's just so wise. It's not a, oh, I don't have to. Yes, don't hug them, just chill. When we ask questions with sincerity, we answer people just with this simplistic wisdom. So when you ask an artist, so where do you think does your creativity come from? Why do you think all these plants is created with so much creativity, so much beauty? If you struggle to create something with so much creativity, if you have that place where you can't get the creativity out of you, where do you think does it come from? Who do you think is creative enough to do this? Who do you think created words? And then you maybe quote a psalm or you quote something with words so beautifully, indescribable, songs of Solomon, the psalms, proverbs, saying things so powerfully like death and life in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit and a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, a man's character goes well ahead before him. There's ways to communicate, to ask questions and to answer and just ask, ask. All right, next one, Ian. Investigate scripture together and instruct. So this is where you've got to come to that place when you know what the person's question is that they're struggling with. Then you've got to know where to take them to scripture. This is also now advertisement time for Bible school. You've got to know your Bible. If I'm struggling with grief, it would best be we read together through Job. But you can't read through Job if you don't know Job. In one sense, you've got to be well prepared. I'm talking about culture being biblical illiterate. Not fancy wancy answers, but really struggling things through with people. If you talk loneliness, let's talk about Jesus and why he felt alone. If you want to talk loneliness, how did the early church feel felt lonely? I'm just starting to opening up things to you to think about, you know. When you think about depression, can we go read Elijah in the cave? 
When we think about depression and a difficult time and sweating blood, can we go to the Garden of Gethsemane? Can we read that together? Do you know why? Because the Word of God and Jesus is irresistible. When somebody reads how Jesus deals with these tough questions, Jesus just becomes so irresistible. They want to know him more. They want to know who he is. Can we read some more? And we've got to do this alongside people. We've got to bring them to Bible school. We've got to bring them at our home. And you know, why? Because they need to be next to you, with you, in your home, spending time with you. It's going to cause great discomfort. It is, I must be honest. I mean, what do you do if Richard Charles contacts you half past 12 in the evening and says, Carlos, I don't have a place to stay. I am in Wellington now. I am first here, but there's still no place for me to sleep. Where must I sleep? Then you phone someone else and you cause this discomfort for them because they're Christian. You tell them, look here, this brother needs a place. Get a place for him to sleep. Today he's fourth year. He's got a place to stay. He's settled. He's, you know, but we've got to, it's, it's crossing that line. It's, it's crossing a line. It's an uncomfortable line, but the, the line's there and the line's necessary. And so one of Christ's Challenging words, you know. <coughs> the Son of Man does not have, even have a place to lay his head. He was real about it. He didn't say everybody should go through it, but he was just real about the discomfort that he had to go through when it comes to discipleship. Again, he didn't say you, shouldn't, you should not have a place. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that I am sleeping outside sometimes, but I, can we have a conversation about why there's a discomfort there that comes with discipleship? Foxes have holes, and there's loads of foxes here, hey? <laughs> foxes have holes, but the Son of Man does not know where to lay down his head. He's, he doesn't have that place. Investigate scripture together. That's when you read scripture together. You get a Bible, you sit down and you read it together and you talk about it. You talk about it. Poverty, you sit down and you talk about Poverty. Poverty is in scripture. Where does it come from? How can we overcome it? And if you can't do it alone, you can do it in a group. But it must come from this place of scripture. Because remember what I've said, you need the word of God and you need the spirit of God. I need the word of God and I need the spirit of God. And it's non-threatening, it's genuine. The scriptures will challenge. Believe me. It will stir up some uncomfortability. But can I just say this? It's okay. It's okay if somebody gets up and just angry. I don't want. Can I tell you how many times Charles told me he's fed up with Christians now? Ask Almary. Carlos, how does it work? They say this in scripture, but, but, but the church doesn't do it in scripture. Say, Charles, I don't know. You want some coffee? <laughs> you listen to Charles, and Charles is just pouring his wrath of God on the church. You say, Charles, be careful. You're judging God's bride. Eh? Ding, ding, ding. How many? Four sugars, four sugars. 
You know, Charles, I, I don't have the answers for you. All that I know is this is the safest place for you. It doesn't feel like it now, but this is the safest place for you. Some of the people are misunderstanding you, Charles, and they're saying things to you that I guess they shouldn't say, but can you be patient with them? Remember, we need to be patient with you. Charles, you're in our place now when you're just saying things. You're in my kitchen. I'm patient with you, so can I just ask that this be reciprocal? You know, and then he leaves with a smile. <laughs> he's, he's encouraged again. He can continue. But you understand what I'm saying when we investigate stuff together? It's not going to be easy. But you don't need all the answers. You don't need it to be comfortable. People, we don't need this to be easy. I don't know where Christians get it. It upsets me, as you can see clearly. I don't know where Christians get that their discipleship is going to be easy. Especially in the last days. Devastation lists are going to get longer and longer and longer and longer. And we've got to become more patient, but more clear. Things can be complex. But scripture is clear on some things. I can come from a very complex family, which I do. But one thing is clear, I must forgive. That's clear. But the issue surrounding me is complex. But the answer is forgiveness. It's clear. Lots have been said in my family, and there's been a lot of fights. But confessing of sins is clear. <laughs> you know? My dad could have done this and my dad could have done that, but he's my dad. I don't have a choice. And God says, honor your father and your mother. Now, scripture is clear about that. So as long as we know what's clear and what's complex, we can find the balance by wrestling it through together. Blood, sweat and tears. Are you tired now? Let me rest with you. You ready to walk again? We walk. Until that day, the one that you disciples, when you down, they come next to you and they say, okay, are you tired? Well, now it's time for me to carry you. Oh, that's a beautiful day. That, that's one of the most beautiful feelings. I can't explain it to you. It's, it has happened so many times in my life when I was down in the dumps. And the people God used in my life to, to, to help them in this process of salvation. I can't save people. God chose me. And then they just send you this scripture. Or they come to your home with just food. Say, look here, I was praying for you. And I just felt God said, we must bring this here. Then you think, God, this is amazing. The body works. The eye cannot tell. The nose, I don't need you. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. The heart cannot tell. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, um, the thumb cannot say to the other fingers, I don't need you. It doesn't work like that. Then you realize the body works. And then is there a last one, um, Ian? Partner with people and point to Christ. I want to share something that's a, a secret, but I don't realize we all have got it. In those times... When you don't have an answer, and the fight is very severe, 
Because just, just remember this, we, we're talking now about people's lives, eh? We're not talking about giving people good advice here. Or being a Dr. Phil or Oprah. We're talking about people's lives, life and death. But on that day, oh, Ian, when the fight is at his fiercest, And you've partnered with people and you know you cannot just walk out of this partnership. And you don't have the answer and you don't know what to say. And guess what? You just act Christ-like. You were supposed to lose your temper but you didn't. You were supposed to be angry but you extended love. You were supposed to walk out on the relationship but you stayed patient. You got sworn at. If you like my wife, you got smacked. Not by me, I just want to say that. If you me, you get spit in your, spat in your face. Somebody spit. You get accused of you killing somebody. We've been accused of causing somebody's death. And you just act Christ-like. You do the message of the cross. You just hang there. That's when people's lives change radically. Because there's a hope in us that the people out there don't know. They don't get it, but they love it because it points to Christ. Our discipleship in the end and our lifestyles must point to our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we do not lose hope. We are crushed. Hey. But we get up again. We are abandoned. But we are not alone. We are ridiculed. I shouldn't say this. But who is going to laugh the last? <laughs> you know what I am saying? And so my encouragement to you this morning. All that I want you to know. You are already doing a good job. Just cross that line. Just cross it and the people will come here and they'll come with you because they want to know the Christ inside of you. Are you with me? Speak it with clarity. Talk to people about commitments. Talk to people, let's continue in this journey. By the way, I've just exp- <laughs> he gave you the characteristics of a very good friend. Who knows God with clarity. Who knows what commitment means. And who can continue. That's why we sing that old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's all of that. (laughs) And he walks that road with you. You know. So I want to encourage you this morning. Church you are already doing a good job. Don't be uncomfortable if it gets messier. It can only get better after it's gotten a lot worse. (laughs) And it will get worse because Christ says so. But we're in the middle of it. We slap bang in the middle of it. We're planted there. 
We plant it right there. And it changes lives radically. Radically, radically, radically. You know, the first funeral, this is my line, and then we're going to pray. The first funeral I conducted was of my own aunt. So, she was a party girl. Came to Christ, name was Rebecca. Party girl, came to Christ powerfully. Started having, um, we had a clash. After Hercules and Milani left, she stayed in church. We still had a bit of a clash. She left church. Seriously offended, but came back. Said, look here, um, auntie's little boy, that's what she used to call me in Afrikaans. I'm going to come back. I'm sorry for what it came, came back. Beautiful reconciliation. She loved Almry to bits. You know, she, she was crazy about her. Um, always had only good things to say about Almry. If I was in the room, I always lost the battles, you know, but okay, it's, that's it. Anyway, um, got emphysema because of the years of the partying. And so my mum phones me, and my mum says, Look, yeah, I've heard, because at that stage we were just so busy, I've heard that Auntie Rebecca is really, really ill. You've got to go check out. <laughs> yes, Nolly, she was very ill. And I came to my aunt, and she was just this heap of bones lying there, struggling to breathe. So at that stage, she had this mask on her. And I came, and I, when she saw me, she smiled. And um, she took off the mask and called me closer. And I said, and she, she whispered in my ear, the lady next to me has AIDS. She's a Jehovah's Witness. So this, what she says to me, takes about three to four minutes. Just because she can't talk anymore. She's a Jehovah's Witness. She's not saved and she's scared of dying. Please pray with her. She puts on the mask. So I'm standing there. I'm going over. I'm saying, lady, I preach the gospel to with clarity and as as clear as I could at that stage. Back then, I didn't know what I knew now. So don't worry about what you know. Talk about what you know. That's all that you have. I just explained to her what I know. And she said, then I want to make right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Took her and prayed with her. Got saved. Came back to my aunt. My aunt smiling. Can't breathe <laughs> even properly. Um, forgot. No help me. Rachel. <laughs> Sorry, I'm full of emotion. Um, and... I asked my aunt, are you scared? This is what she does. She takes the mask of her face and she just smiles. I have never seen a smile like that in my whole life. Never. Next morning I received the call. Um, Almer woke me up. She died. My aunt, two days later, the, the lady that had aged died. At my aunt's funeral, I preached, made an altar call. That's the place where Almi's dad got saved. I just want to say, love who you are. 
only communicate what you can. Love the gospel. Did I feel insignificant at that stage? Yes, it was my first funeral. What do I say? I don't even know what to say. <laughs> you know, I come from the traditional church in South Africa. There was lots of ways that you do it. I went through all the scriptures. And God just said, no. The title of your sermon is, Oh, death, where's your sting? I have a smile. That was the title of my own sermon. And I just, I preached on, oh death, where's your sting? And I told them why I preached in it, because I literally saw my aunt laughing at death. I told them about the salvation of the lady that had age. And I told them if my aunt could have preached it, she would have. People look into your eyes and they see that same hope. I promise this to you today. It's undeniable. I want to ask you what God asked Ezekiel. O son of man, can these dry bones live? Father, I want to pray this morning that we will just bring to the table what we have. We'll cross that line beyond the discomfort. But I know we want to say like Nicodemus said, You must be born again. And that's it. Thank you that we're part of this amazing team. I want to thank you for every amazing member. And this morning, you can open your eyes. If you want that prayer that will give you that Holy Spirit inspired confidence to prophesy to the dry bones. If you want just to walk into the uncomfortableness and just be there. If you want, I want to, I'm thinking a lot about it, David. I want to smile like my aunt on that day. You know, Ian, it's something, If anything stirred you that you're saying, God, I I just want that because I want to point my last point. I want to partner with people. I want to point them to Christ. I want. We just want to pray with you. We can pray for each other. If you want that, let's just come and pray for one another. Thank you for being so patient. But it's a good patience in waiting on what the Lord wants to do. So if you want that prayer, we'll pray for you now. And we're going to trust God that we will be able to multiply whatever he has placed inside of us. And don't be ashamed of what you're going through now. Never be ashamed of what you're going through now and thinking, I cannot do this. It's a lie of the enemy. In your brokenness, just allow God to shine his light through you. We blow broken jars of clay. At this stage in my life, I imagine God did this with me. He's rebuilding me. But he's the potter. I'm the clay. You would never say it, oh Joseph, but that's how I sometimes feel. But I'm here, I'm faithful. I'm giving you what I've got. 
God knows how to multiply. He's in the business of changing lives. If you want prayer, come. Come now. We lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. And we trust God just to help us through. Sajat, my brother, if you want prayer, you can also come. It's open for everybody. You come now. We're going to pray for you. We thank God. with the, the communion with us we, we are reminded of why you did this to save us from the wrath to come from your heart of love and you said do this in remembrance of me and this morning we just again so dumbfounded at um, the message of the cross it, it leaves one speechless. But thank you that the Holy Spirit groans on behalf of us. Thank you that this is special. Let's eat and drink together.
And Father, thank you that as your blood is washing over us, you're just renewing parts of our heart. You're revitalizing our spirit by your spirit. You bring to life those things that are dead. Thank you for sharing your life and your life in abundance, Lord. Freely. Thank you that this church will be a church that point people to Christ. I'm just seeing it clearly, Lord. I'm seeing this picture of Google Maps and the direction is just to Christ and it's all these orange points pointing to Christ, pointing to us, pointing to Christ in this beautiful cycle of life and life in abundance. But thank you, we will always do this, Lord, in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need some more prayer, please stay. We'll pray with you. Spend time in in God's presence. Um, We'll continue with with what God's doing in all of our lives. I want to thank you. It's, It's an amazing journey and it will never stop. It will never stop till Christ came. You play some music, Ian, so that if they also need prayer, then we can.